The first reading is taken from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9. This may be found on page 158 of the Church Bibles. The Bronze Snake. They travelled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them that bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The second reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 13 to 21. This may be found on page 1065 of the Church Bibles. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light, for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that they, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Here end the reading. How difficult it can be to choose that special gift for that special someone. Even if you can think of the right gift, sometimes it is just too costly and you cannot give it. But come and see this morning. Come and see God's heart and God's gift. His gift is not for someone special. Indeed, his gift is for nobodies, worse than nobodies. And his gift is so costly. A gift so special, so costly, coming from such love, how could anyone reject it? 
And how could anyone not have a heart to give it to others? Point one, God so loved the world. We read this morning the most precious, wonderful words that you could ever read. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. The world is an amazing place, isn't it? Many of us have seen beautiful waterfalls, extraordinary islands. If we have not seen them ourselves, we've seen them in documentaries, perhaps you've seen them on Instagram, on your child's phone. And we think to ourselves, what a wonderful world. But that is not what John meant. Now you can see there in verse 16, he's talking about people, not places, whoever, he says. And though people are sometimes extraordinary and wonderful, that is not the emphasis, that's not the meaning throughout John's gospel. Verse 19, do you see, he talks about the world. The world is people who loved darkness instead of light. Again and again, he talks about the world as people who are against God. Jesus says, the world hates me. The world is people against God, against God, and who abuse others. And we know this to be true. On the 7th of October last year, Hamas decided to strike back at a cruel blockade of Gaza and their gunmen attacked and murdered over 1,200 people on one day, kidnapping over 200 more. In retaliation and in order to protect their own people, Israel declared that they would destroy Hamas. And in the process since that day, have killed over 27,000. 22 times the number killed by Hamas. 1.8 million people in Gaza, that's 80% of the population, have been made homeless. This is a wickedness by both sides, and we should condemn both. But it is just one example from history, isn't it? And actually, to be frank, a small example from history. How do you think God should react to such actions by such people? People whom he has created, people whom he has provided for and loved. How would you react if you were God? I think I would give up on people. I would condemn people. And if we are honest, people who are against God and who abuse others are not just out there. These letters addressed to God purport to be from children. And they're quite funny, I think. Dear God, do you think that Cain and Abel wouldn't have killed each other quite so often 
if they had had rooms of their own. It worked for my brother and me. Dear God, you must be extraordinary to love the whole world. There are only four people in my family and I can't stand any of them. The world which is against God and abuses other people is not just out there, but in here. And the extraordinary news is that God loved the world. Not with a weak and sentimental and inactive love. Oh dear, my children, I wish you wouldn't do that. No, he has a real love, demonstrated by real action, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Real love is demonstrated by action, by giving. And what greater giving, what greater action could there be than a parent giving their own child? The father loved his son. The father delighted in his son. There was nothing more valuable he could give, no greater gift. And he did not just lend him for a while whilst he was down here on earth. No, verse 14, he was lifted up to die. The people of the world deserve to be condemned, to perish. And God loved the world. I heard a preacher say once that the most important word in this most important sentence in verse 16 was the smallest The word, so. God so loved the world. It would be extraordinary that God would have anything but condemnation for those against him who abuse others. It would be extraordinary if he had even a little love and concern and compassion for them. But more extraordinary, he gave. He gave his only son to die. Them. Thankfully, most of us do not believe the lies of the gods of the Greeks and the Romans, the gods of Buddhism and of Deism, that God is too busy, that he is uninterested in us, so we must twist his arm by our prayers or our offerings. No, I think many of us know that God loved the world. We have heard this before, but we take it for granted, do we not? God so loved the world. And this word so has a so for us. If we know this to be true, then so we have a reassurance about our world. When we see the events of Israel of Gaza, of the Ukraine, the Sudan, and so many other places, we do ask ourselves, do we not, uh, does God love this world? Does he care? Yes, we know. For he so loved, he gave his son. Not just the world, but ourselves and those we love. When we see those we love in sickness or chronic pain, when we grieve, When those we love die, we ask, don't we, does God love them? Does he love me? Yes, he so loved us.
God so loved the world. How do you think the world will react to such a love, to such an extravagant gift? Surely the world will thank God, will appreciate God, will receive His gift and show that same love to other people. It is a great surprise then, that point too. People loved darkness and remain condemned. Have a look at verse 19. This is the verdict, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. You would expect people to receive God's love and his gift. But John says, when the light came into the world, the world did not receive him. The world killed him. Why? Verse 19, because they loved darkness, their deeds were evil, and they were afraid that their deeds would be exposed. A cockroach scurries away when you lift up something and it is exposed by the light. And fair enough, because I'm trying to stomp it. It's been exposed. But when people see the light, surely there is no need for fear, for they are loved. And yet in their darkness, they fear the shame if their deeds are exposed. But it is useless, for they are already condemned. They already stand condemned by their actions. And now they have added rejecting God's love and not believing in His Son. What could be worse than that? Now people are even more condemned and will be exposed. And notice, please, that this darkness, these evil deeds, is not just talking about really bad people. Darkness. When was it that Nicodemus came to see Jesus? Verse 1. He came at night. John is telling us that this darkness that people love, it includes good people, religious people, who refuse to admit that they need God's love and his gift. Here is the greatest crime. God so loved the world, but people loved darkness. So we should expect people, and not be surprised, that people, even respectable and clever people, reject the good news of God's love and his gift. Indeed, we should not be troubled when they reject Jesus, as if they know something that we don't know, as if we have been deceived. No, when someone who is in darkness rejects Jesus, or they are like an art critic who can't stand a particular artist. They see the artwork hanging on the wall, a masterpiece, and they criticise the masterpiece, but their criticism says nothing about the masterpiece. And everything about them. We should expect people to reject Jesus for they love darkness. But more than just expect this, 
God loved the world. And so this should make us weep. Jesus wept for the people of Jerusalem who rejected him and were about to kill him. God's people then will weep for those who miss out on God's love. God loved the world, but people loved darkness. What hope is there? What use then, perhaps, is God's love and his extraordinary gift? Has it all been for nothing? Point three, but God gives eternal life to those who believe. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, even the world's darkness cannot stop God's love. God's Spirit, we saw last week, gives new birth to some. They therefore believe. And instead of loving darkness and being afraid of their deeds being shamed, they come into the light, verse 21. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may seem plainly that what they have have done has been done by God. For those who believe, God's love and God's gift means the gift of eternal life. I wonder, do you know that love? And have you received that gift? There could not not be a better gift. And it is a free gift offered to you today. Will you respond? Will you receive? I would love to talk with you about it today or contact me this week. If you do believe, if you have believed in the Son and you know that God loves you, then know that he has given you eternal life. Those who have not believed... Stand condemned, it says. But those who have believed, verse 16, have eternal life. What assurance, what confidence for those who believe. You know that you are loved by God. You know that you have eternal life. But it does not say God so loved you does it this verse very simply god so loved the world and if god's heart is for the world then surely god's heart must change our hearts the end of the 19th century william booth was a man who knew god's love who knew God's love for him and God's love for others. And he founded a church, a church called the Salvation Army. William Booth would often speak of a vision. He painted a picture, he told a story, he called it a vision of the lost. I find it moving 
I find it challenging. I saw a dark and stormy ocean. The waves rose and foam towered and broke. And in that ocean, I saw myriads of poor human beings plunging and floating, shouting and shrieking, cursing and struggling and drowning. And I saw out of this dark, angry ocean a mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high above the dark clouds that overhung the stormy sea. And all around the base of this great rock, I saw a vast platform. And onto this platform, I saw with delight a number of the poor struggling, drowning wretches climbing out of the angry ocean. And I saw that a few of those who were already safe on the platform were helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach the place of safety. They used ladders and ropes and boats to deliver the poor strugglers out of the sea. Here and there, some actually jumped back into the water regardless of the consequences in their passion to rescue the perishing. As I looked, I saw that those on the platform were quite a mixed group. They were divided into different sets or classes, and they occupied themselves with different pleasures and employments. But only a few of them seemed to make it their business to get the people out of the sea. What puzzled me most was the fact that though all of them had been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. It seemed the memory of the darkness and danger no longer troubled them at all. These people did not even seem to care that is, have any agonising care about the poor, perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their very eyes, many of whom were their own husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, and even their own children. William Booth painted a picture, a vision of the lost, that people who seem safe and secure and happy are actually in darkness and perishing. And without God's word and his spirit, they will never climb out by themselves. It is a vision of the lost that we need to see. But perhaps even more importantly, his vision is a vision of the heart's of the saved, those on the platform, those who have been born again, who have believed, who know they are loved, who have eternal life, they have been rescued from perishing. And he, as he says, they seem to have forgotten. And these words ring very true to my heart. How about yours? This morning we see God's heart, his heart that he so loved, not just you, but the world, people against him.
and yet it seems in our hearts we have forgotten. This morning I share with you some of the plans for this year. We've prayed for our kids and youth ministry uh, leaders. We continue to pray for a children's minister so our assistant minister can invest more in evangelism. We have plans. We have intentions. I hope that you'll be involved. But my prayer is deeper than that. My prayer is that we will know God's love and his gift, that he so loved the world. And my prayer is that we will know God's heart and that he will break my heart, your heart, our heart as a church. Please join with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for extraordinarily you loved the world, people against you who abuse one another. Father, please bring this afresh to our hearts that we might be amazed. Father, help us to see that people are in darkness, that people are perishing without Jesus. And Father, for those of us who have been saved, brought onto that wonderful platform, safe from perishing, who have eternal life. Father, please keep on breaking our hearts for the plight of those who are still perishing in darkness. We ask this in Jesus' name.